thanks for uh, praying for my dad. And uh, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. And so we need to be steadfast in prayer for one another. And we, we're in the book of Job again today. And today really starts the uh, dialogue between Job's friends. Job had a day in which he lost really all his earthly possessions, many of his good friends who were his servants. He was attacked by the enemy. And then a, a different day, he lost his health. His wife kind of turned against him. And, and about hearing all this, Job's three friends uh, heard about it and they came to minister and to mourn and to comfort him. And so they they did good at mourning with him and now they're going to start the dialogue with him. And in chapter 3, do you kind of remember what happened? Uh, Pam, what happened in chapter 3 that we read about? Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. So Job kind of so they sat with him for three day, or seven days and seven nights and then he broke the silence and that was his exposition was to curse the day he was born and the life that he had. And So rather that be the, the words of if he really meant those things that he wished he was dead but we, we don't really know. Sometimes we say things we don't really mean especially when we're hurting. Uh, of course, at the end of this trial, uh, you know, Job, Job sinned not with his lips. He did not curse God, and he did not die. And so now his three friends, uh, who were uh, Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite. So those are his three friends. And today in chapter 4, I've got it up here on your... Can you guys see that from there? This Eliphaz the Timonite answered and said. uh, But if you'll look at your handout. Now, uh, my thesis, my, my point for this study is that we can trust God even when we're suffering. And it's, it's easy to say amen to that here and now if you're not suffering. But it, it is difficult to really trust the Lord when we're going through trials or tribulation or persecution. And that's what Job's name means. It means one persecuted. And so we, we saw that he is kind of a type of Israel in the tribulation period. And uh, that's maybe the thing he's the greatest type of. And he said in Job 13 on your handout there at the top, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He, he would not lose his integrity. He was going to keep on serving the Lord and trusting the Lord, even up to the point of death. And so that, that's our hero, Job. And we can learn so much from him and from this book. And I gave you a quote there from this uh, Alfred Edersheim. He says, we cannot understand the meaning of many trials. God does not explain them. To explain a trial would be to destroy its object, which is that of calling forth simple faith and implicit obedience. 
if we knew why the Lord sent us this or that trial, it would thereby cease to be a trial, either of faith or of patience. And so that's kind of some wisdom from that guy. <clears throat> and so Job did not, God did not explain to him why he was going through this. And uh, he, he was really, God was pretty silent until, I think it's chapter 38 or so, when God does speak. And even then, he doesn't explain himself to Job. So, so we're picking up this story with Job having this disease of boils. He's scraping himself with a broken piece of pottery. He's sitting in the ashes. His wife has uh, asked him to curse God and die. So she's kind of... And, and we don't hear from her anymore. His children are dead. All... Uh, Ten children have died. <clears throat> and his servants have died. His livestock have been stolen. And so here, here sets this uh, once great man, greatest of the men of the East. There's uh, two or three verses that makes us think he was actually a king. And so this, this was a kingly man with this great wealth and this great possessions and he is now uh, reduced to this uh, this beggar <clears throat> and so Eliphaz his friend uh, comes to him and I thought we would just look at who Eliphaz is and I've got some verses there in Genesis 36 so if you hold your place in Job 4 and we're going to look at a couple places in Genesis <clears throat> because these, these were real men they really lived and so these stories are, are true and accurate and you can find that uh, if not them personally, their descendants or ancestors in the book of Genesis, go to 36.4. And uh, Emma, would you read 36.4 for us? I gave you a hard one, didn't I? So this lady is Adua, and she she bore a son to Esau named Eliphaz. And so that is the same name there. If you go down to verse 11, and the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Ophar, Zepho, and Gatum, and Kenaz. And so it even has one of his Eliphaz's son uh, is named Teman and so you, you see the names there Eliphaz and Teman and, and here in our Job passage Eliphaz is the Temanite and so we, we think that that's him there and then go to go back a little bit to Genesis 25 right here in Genesis go back to chapter 25 Sorry, I gave you that hard one, Hamlet. <laughs> uh, Pam, I'll let you read uh, 12 through 17 of 
Okay. No. Yeah, yeah, that's the word castles is in. Yeah, that's a lot of kids. <laughs> well, I I think in verse 15 there it mentions Tima. Um I think what we're trying to present here is there's a connection between Esau, who the Bible says is Edom, and Ishmael. And these are the Muslims of today. These are uh, the generations of Abraham through his uh, wife's mistress, Hagar. So the, these are, uh, we know the promised seed is through Sarah and Isaac. And so this is uh, through Ishmael the uh, son of Hagar, the uh, Egyptian lady. And so, uh, I, I got a... The Bible says that Esau is Edom. So I thought I would put up this, this map. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway... So Edom is down here in the south of Israel. Uh, it's got the northern and southern tribes of Judah and Israel. So up here to the north is the Sea of Galilee, and down and the Jordan River connects the Dead Sea to the Sea of Galilee. And so Edom would be down south, and. Uh, and Petra, so th this is where the land of Uz is. That's kind of hard to say, the land of Uz is. So, anyway, this is where our hero Job is at. This is where his friend Eliphaz is from, the same area. And see, he goes to visit his friend Job. And we're going to see uh, some of what he says here in chapters 4 and chapter 5. We're, we're only going to get through chapter 4 today. But on your handout, I've got that his name means uh, God of fine gold or my God has refined. And certainly he uses Eliphaz to refine his servant Job. And I think Job says as much uh, later on about being refined as gold or vessel for the finer. Maybe that's Proverbs. So anyway... Uh, but Eliphaz, now go back to the book of Job. And we're going to look at verse 8, Job 4.8. Um, well, look at Job uh, 4.15. He, he talks about uh, 
being in a deep sleep and a spirit passed before his face. And so one of the things we conclude about Eliphaz is that he speaks to Job from some experiences that he has. And and so that that's what I had you put in your first blank there. If you want to fill in your blank, it's just the word experience. So he had this dream and he had this spirit come to him in his dream. And even in uh, this chapter, he talks about things that he saw personally. And and so one of the things we conclude about Eliphaz is he speaks to Job from his experience. Pat. Heather's got cooties, so you may not want to sit by her. Go back in school. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, so, so my teaching point on, under this topic, and I really focus on counseling type things today, and so my teaching point is that our counsel should be more uh, objective and not subjective. And you say, what do I mean by that? Uh, so the, these are kind of your blanks there. <clears throat> is our our feelings and our experiences are a little bit subjective to us. And you know, like yesterday, I, I'm watching our grandson play football, and I, I'm seeing that through my eyes of my experience playing football. And my experience may not be like his experience, and. Sometimes I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, well, I would have done this. And and so I would, I mean, I do. I, I probably counsel Jackson on how to play football based on my experience. But you know, he needs to listen to his coach and he needs to run his race and do the things uh, that he is meant to do. And so my counsel to my grandson is more subjective. It's subjective to my experience playing football. But uh, so, but when it comes to counseling, uh, Eliphaz needs to. But now keep this in mind. I think there's only one reference in the book of Job to God's law, because they didn't have the written word then. This is before they had the written word, but somehow they knew the laws and principles of God and you know some of His ordinances and. God's truth was available. They they knew people that had been uh, through the flood. So so this is just shortly after the flood of Noah. Uh, Job is actually the oldest book of our Bible. Uh, and so uh, so so what do I mean by I already told you a little bit about su- our experience and our feelings and our emotions are subject. But what do I mean by objective? How can we be more objective? What do you so facts. What were you saying? So yeah, when we counsel people, we want it to be based on truth. And rather it be facts of truthful facts or, or the word of God. And, and so... This is where we see a little bit of error in Eliphaz's judgment as he's basing things on his experience. 
And so as we counsel or try to encourage people, you know, it needs to be based on truth, right? And uh, whether we have a, a chapter or verse, or we just know this principle about God and His Word, and uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and, that, and so... Uh, really uh, and there's really kind of two forms of discipleship and one of them is going on right now if if someone is in here and they're lost our counsel to them would be to become saved we need to get saved that's our counsel and all of us are saved we profess to know Christ as our Savior so what we're doing in here right now is discipling we're learning the word of God together right and so that, that's our counseling is discipleship right now. So those are kind of the two forms of discipleship. Lost need to be saved. The saved needs to be discipled and grow and be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so anyway, this, this is a little bit about counseling. And that's uh, hopefully we can learn more in the days and weeks to come from this book. And uh, I think at one point in this chapter, Job either calls his friends... Miserable comforters or miserable counselors. I, I forget which it is. <laughs> yeah, you're like miserable counselors. So they, they they were not comforting and did not give him great counsel, even though they say some things that are very true. So now let, let's read these first five verses of Job chapter 4. And uh, Heather, if you have those, just the first five verses of chapter 4, and hopefully I didn't give you any hard words. So these are kind of his opening remarks. He's just uh, speaking at the end of Job's, you know, kind of rant almost in chapter 3 about cursing the day he was born. And so he says in verse 2 there that Heather read, If, if we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? You know, we, he's saying we, that the other the other two men that are sitting there with him, uh, we, we would like to talk with you and you know hopefully it won't grieve you any further than you already are but then he says who can withhold himself from speaking and uh, hold your place here and look at the first Corinthians I gave you a, a reference there on your handout first Corinthians 14:32. this is really important and it's something that I need to learn the times I've been successful I I I am always glad that I am successful in this in this regard. Have you ever been sitting and listening to someone and they just can't help themselves, they just blurt out whatever. And here in 1 Corinthians 14.32, uh, Pat, would, would you read that to us? What do you, how do you explain that verse, Pat? 
but if if our subject if our spirit is subject to us that means we have control over it don't we and so that that is kind of my point there is you know Eliphaz is saying who can who can who can help but speak well you have control over what you speak it's kind of the point that I want to make there because sometimes we do well just to remain quiet don't we and and not and kind of my example of this is whenever I had my hurt shoulder I mean everybody come up to me wanting to tell me their hurt shoulder story and 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 I do the same thing I I can't help sometimes yeah I know how you feel I did this that and I want to tell my story and we're all like that maybe but sometimes maybe it's better not to I mean I would have rather people not told me all about their you know medical history or whatever uh, so anyway uh, I guess that was my point from Job 4 there whenever life as says uh, who can withhold himself from speaking well we all can withhold ourselves from speaking Yeah. Yeah. This is it's very profound, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. God's spirit, yeah, yeah, that is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it work both ways. I mean, uh, you know, we were at that service yesterday, and uh, one of the deceased sons really felt led to get up at the end after the speaker and, and sing "Amazing Grace" and. I felt like that was fitting. It, it, that was appropriate, and he told me later, he's like, "Man, if, if I didn't do it now, you know, I'd never." It just seemed like so. There's times that it's fitting to maybe do something out of the ordinary or speak if the spirit's leading you to say something for sure. So I, I agree with you, brother. Yeah. 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 What are you thinking, Heather? Uh huh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yep. Good, good job. So, then back to Job 4. So in verses 3 and 4, Eliphaz does acknowledge 
some very important things that Job has done. He's, he's like, you know, brother, you've instructed many, and I know personally you have strengthened some weak hands, and you've been able to help keep others from falling. And he says, you've even strengthened the feeble knees. And uh, you know, I think about that even with my dad. I mean, my dad cannot walk right now. He cannot stand on his own or, you know, going to the bathroom or getting dressed. Those are all very difficult things. And so Job himself has strengthened people who maybe couldn't help themselves. And so these are all very commendable. And that little phrase, feeble knees, comes up two or three times in our Bible. I think there was another time besides what I wrote to you there. But, but look at the New Testament. Uh, well, let's just look at the Isaiah. The Isaiah 53. It's pretty close here. It's a few books to the right. Isaiah, yeah. So Isaiah 53, or 35. 3, Jim. Uh, 35, 3, if you can get that one. So it's a little bit of a common saying, if, if you help the less fortunate, you strengthen the feeble knees. Yeah, so it, it says almost exactly the same thing. He, Isaiah is instructing uh, the people of Israel to do that, to strengthen weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. And so, uh, anyway, Hebrews also mentions it in our New Testament. So these, these are a good thing that Job has done. Uh, and I didn't put it on your handout, but uh, letter C says, But now, in, uh, in Job 4-5, Eliphaz, he's saying, you know, that all has changed, but, but now it has come upon thee, and thou faintest, it toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. And uh, Angie, would you look up the 20, Matthew 27? There's something very similar that was told of Jesus Christ. And not only is Job a type of Israel in the tribulation who is persecuted and suffer, but he's also a type of Christ on the cross. And we, we said that... Uh, these things happen to Job without cause. And we, we connected without cause to Jesus Christ. And here's another thing that links Job to Jesus in Matthew 27, 43, Andy. Yeah, so he says things uh, in Matthew 27. In fact, in verse 42, it says, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusteth in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. And think about that for a minute. What what those people were shouting at Christ on the cross is actually true. He saved others, but himself he cannot save. And the truth about that is, he probably could have saved, he could have called down 12 legions of angels, right? He could have saved himself, but he couldn't also have saved others. If he would have got off the cross and not died and buried in resurrection, then we couldn't be saved, right? So they were kind of saying a true thing, like, 
he not only has helped others, but he's not going to be able to save others and himself. He couldn't do both. And that's a little bit like what Eliphaz is telling Job. is like, you helped all these others, you did all these great things, but now it's come on you and you, you can't help yourself here. And again, that's kind of true, but it, it's like Christ. And So my teaching point here, and uh, think about this, and, and this is not my comment, I, I wrote it here, but timing and tact are key in counseling. And so, uh, and the Belinda, I got a handout there for you. Thanks for coming this morning. And she brought some goodies too. Somebody brought a whole bag of uh, hard candy there, so if anybody wants uh, anything. But uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of sometimes when you comment, it's kind of tacky. You know what I mean? It's like, Boy, when somebody just had a car wreck, you don't want to say, you're a terrible driver. That, that's not very tactful, is it? So I really feel like this was probably good timing for a life as to say something, but but for to say, now it's now it's your turn, buddy. You, you know, you've done all these good things, but look at you now. So that's not very tactful. Uh, Belinda, what were you going to say, sis? So yeah, that would that would definitely be a time for him to have that soft word. Uh, so yeah, that that was just so being timeful and tactful as we counsel or try to comfort others. <coughs> and uh, boy, this is so true, isn't it? You can really offend people very easily, uh, saying things or saying the wrong thing at the even the wrong thing at the right time. So that, that was the first page of our handout. And so now we're going to go through this next section, verses 6 through 11. If somebody wants to... Uh, Emma, we're kind of back to you, brother. You want to read 6 through 11? In verse 6, in verse 6, Eliphaz is referring to what Job said. 
in verse 25 of chapter 3. So, so just look up your page a little bit. So 325, Job actually says this, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. And so Eliphaz kind of keys on that. And in verse 6 of chapter 4, he, he, he is trying to guess what Job's fear was. Is not this thy fear, uh, thy confidence, thy hope, and thy up... He's like, you know, you put all this stock in yourself. He, he's, he, I, he's kind of implying that, Job, your sin has finally caught up with you. You have a secret sin. And, and he actually comes out and, and says and, and accuses Job of having sin in his life. It, it's kind of uh, a little bit uh, hidden here. But he's saying, isn't this your fear? The confidence you had, the hope of your good works and your righteousness, your upright ways. And so I put on your handout just uh, your fears that your sin will find you out. And and that is what the Bible says in, in Numbers 32, 23. It actually says that, that your sin will find you out. I think it's twice in that chapter. And so that that's true for all of us that uh, rather... It's something we need to confess or, or keep short accounts with with God or, you know, it will come out at, at the judgment seat of Christ. But uh, our, our sin is covered. We, we are forgiven, uh, past, present, and future. And uh, yet we need to confess those things to remain in fellowship. We, we don't lose our salvation when we sin, but we do lose fellowship. And so... Uh, Anyway, is there any other comments about, about that verse? I feel like that's uh, what Eliphaz is thinking that Job's fear was. But his thesis is... Yeah, were you thinking something, Belinda? Yeah, they... Sin costs you more than you want to pay. Takes you further than you want to go. There's a third little... Huh. Yeah. 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 So, we're not to let the sun go down on our wrath. So rather it be your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your spouse. You don't want to... Uh, let those things that come between you continue. You need to deal with them. Uh, or, or like with, with a brother or sister, you know, usually you don't even have to confront them. It's like, Lord, I know this brother or sister and they didn't mean me harm and God, uh, I forgive them and uh, you love them and you can just go on. And, but significant enough things, uh, you may need to confront the person and deal with it in other ways but anyway uh, but his thesis is so Eliphaz's uh, thesis his, his belief about Job is in verse 7 and here's what he says remember I pray thee whoever perished being innocent or where were the righteous cut off and basically he's saying Job righteous this doesn't happen to righteous people if you were righteous this wouldn't be happening so he's implying there is sin in his life, and this, this is, <coughs> and so 
you know, maybe as a rule, this is right, because God does correct the children he loves. He, God does discipline his children. So he's not totally wrong in what he's saying. Uh, and, and I'll just go ahead and give you my teaching point here, because it kind of fits. Eliphaz is not wrong, but counselors need to consider other possibilities. And so he doesn't know that God has given Satan uh, permission to afflict and to bring all this evil upon Job. Uh, Eliphaz doesn't know that. So uh, instead of just considering that, Job, you're not actually righteous, because this doesn't happen to righteous, he needs to consider some other possibilities. And, uh, and then in verses 8 and 9... Notice in verse 8, and, and this, is a, this is a danger that we all face. He says, even as I have seen. And you know, we, we can all, we all can see some, the same thing, even from a different perspective. And uh, you, you may have even seen things like this on Facebook. I mean... Like a guy's running toward a lady and it looks like, oh my gosh, he's going to steal from her. He's going to do whatever to this lady. But then you see the whole big picture and a car's about to hit her. So he's actually saving her. He's trying to get her out of the way. But maybe we don't see the whole picture. And So that's a little bit how Eliphaz is here. And then he, let, let's all turn to Galatians. Hold your place here and let's look at the book of Galatians chapter 6. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll get there. But, yeah, let's go to Galatians chapter 6. And this is especially true to our good brother Emmett right now and faithful sister Pam is this law of sowing and reaping because they are in the middle of uh, harvesting what they planted earlier this spring. So Galatians 6... 7 through 9. Is it Heather? Is it your turn now? Did I skip you, Pam? Did I skip you, baby? Maybe it's your turn. Galatians. <laughs> Go ahead, Pam, since we're talking about you. Uh, chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. So even as far back as Eliaphaz and Job, uh, he mentions that he he has seen that they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. And so that's that he's he's mentioning Galatians six before Galatians six was ever written. And God is telling us through Galatians six that God is not see uh, deceived. Or he's, he's telling us not to be deceived because God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And the person that sows to his flesh, and we've all done that, we shall reap of the flesh uh, corruption. We, we reap uh, temporary uh, harm, but the, when we sow to the Spirit, 
capital S, we shall of the capital S spirit reap life everlasting. And so the things that we sow, the times we witness or share the gospel or pray, we uh, even studying the Word of God, it has everlasting and eternal consequences and benefits. And Emmett will tell you, um, I think when I was farming, they tried to... Uh, so when you buy a bag of seed corn, you buy X number of kernels, don't you? It's not, you don't usually a bushel now. It, it's 80,000 kernels in a bag of corn. And that'll plant a little less than four acres. It's over 20,000 seed per acre. Almost 32,000. See, it was 21,000 seed per acre. And are you on like 30 inch rows? You're on 20 inch rows? Wow. So when we were, I was farming, it was, you know, we even had 36 inch rows, but then they went to 30 inch rows, and now you're to 21 inch rows. 20 inch rows. So, so the seeds are like six or eight inches apart. So think in your mind, that, that's how technical farming has gotten. 20 inch rows, seeds are eight inches apart, 32,000 kernels be planted per acre. So, so your one bushel, approximately one bushel of corn planted two and a half acres, one bushel, and you're reaping 150 bushel an acre. So that one bushel made over 300, four or 500 bushels out of one bushel of corn planted. You, you see that the manifold, I mean some of this is it's hybrid technology, there's fertilizer, there's insecticides, there's chemicals, and so they're maximized, so we can do the same thing spiritually. I mean, and I, I am honestly not bragging about this, I, I led my brother to Christ, and I know that my brother has led many people to Christ. You see how that seed planted in him produced, and he, he's written a couple books now, and and, uh, you know, that, that's the further, and, and that's what we do with missions and discipleship and ministry. And, and that, that motivates me. I don't know about you, but that, that because uh, when, I, when I coast and, and I rest and, and I'm not productive, you know, it, uh, I'm just sowing to the flesh. And, it, and you know, when we, when we sow wickedness, I mean, think about the alcoholic, the drunk driver that, that killed a, a family and it, it just affects, you know, that, that sowing to the flesh affected so many people, didn't it? So it's always more manifold and what, what we plant matters, I guess is all I'm saying. Right. That's the discipleship. And walk away. Yeah, yeah. And some of it's outside of your hands, but you do what you can. That's right. Anyway, there's there's just that principle of sowing and reaping, and uh, that that is a Bible truth from front to back. And so he life again, a life as is not wrong, and uh, he just needed to consider other possibilities. So. Uh, here in verses 10 and 11, 
this is probably the most confusing thing we've come across so far. And and I did a little bit of reading it. So in verses 10 and 11, it talks about five different kinds of lions. And uh, and you say, Steve, why does it, what's it even talking about? And my answer is, I, I don't know. But so let me expound a little bit of what I do know, because there's different aspects of it. <clears throat> He talks about this roaring lion, and what does that make you think of, roaring lion in verse 10? The devil. So in our Bible, the, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and I gave you another blank there. Yeah, yeah. I put the word advocate in your neck because Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So he, he is our advocate. No. Yeah, yeah, I did that wrong. So in, in Revelation 5.5, 5, Jesus Christ is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah and he's our advocate. He's, he's our representative. And... Uh, Lions are sometimes connected with uh, Gentile nations in the tribulation. And the thing I was reading uh, in the book of Nahum, it mentions four different kinds of lions. And uh, you know as well as I do that, uh, you know, England has like a lion on their, their shield or their uh, whatever they call that. Their, you know, the uh, United States has the eagle. What would you say? Coat of arms, yeah. And I think England and Germany maybe both have a lion. So there, there is some symbology there. But uh, what, what I think about, what I think Eliphaz is telling his friend, Job, and uh, the, the thing I read, you, you'll think this is kind of cool. Do you know here in the Midwest, when it snows outside, we say it's snowing. But uh, the thing I read says that the Eskimos have like three different words for snow. And it, it may be a wet snow, a dry snow. They have like three different words for snow. And so, uh, Eliphaz, and, and what I wanted to show you, I don't know what uh, computer software you use, but I'll, I'll pull this up. You've all probably heard of the Strong's Concordance. It's kind of like a... Uh, Oh, I'm not connected to the cloud. Uh, okay. You're right. Good job, Pat. Thank you, brother. So back to... Blue Letter Bible is what I use. Job 4. And so on here you'll see that we have the Strong's lettering. And if we go down to verse 10 and 11, I want you to see this. Every time the word lion is mentioned, it's a different Hebrew word. So that, that was 738, that's 7826. Young lions is 3715. 
Uh, old Lion is 3918, and this Stout Lion is 3833. But uh, I mean, you can click on any one of those, and it'll give you like a definition. So that one just says that Hebrew word's in the Bible three times. Once it's lion and twice it's old lion. Let me go back here. This stout lion, if you click on it, there's a feminine. It's like a lion. It's like a lady lion. And uh, kind of my point is, is that he he's communicating to Job that in a way you're like this old lion that you know you're helpless. In a way you're like this lady lion. In a way you're like this young. So he's kind of he's kind of shadowing or <coughs> maybe uh, emphasizing different aspects about a lion to his friend Job. So, uh, but but I do think doctrinally there's some emphasis on end times, Israel and the tribulation, some Gentile nations. So the, the Bible does use lion in, in different ways, and I, I wanted to show you that there's five different lions there in that little passage. So now this next section, we got five minutes. Gosh, I didn't time myself very good today, guys. <clears throat> um, I'll read verses 12, uh, 12 through 14 real quick. So Job 4.12. He says, In thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Uh, so he, he fell into this deep sleep. So Eliphaz did have this experience, and we, we don't doubt his experience. And I put in your handout that it... Uh, you know, we, we might call this a dream that he had, but it, he fell into a deep sleep. And there's an example that Abraham fell into a deep sleep in Genesis 15. So I gave you that as an example. And then uh, 15 through, uh, let's see, uh, Heather, would you read 15 through 17? In his dream, while he was in a deep sleep, a spirit, so hair on his, you know, he said the hair on our neck stood up. I mean, he remembers this well. And, uh, but in, in the Bible, uh, God allowed an evil spirit to come upon Saul, and he allowed a lying spirit to go and speak to uh, Ahab, I believe that was, the, the references I gave you. And so again, this, this is... Uh, a religious experience it's, but it's, it's kind of subjective here but he, he does bring up some truth that in verse 17 about mortal man and uh, that God uh, he, he's not going to be more pure than his maker and so uh, on your hand I put our body is made from the dust it will return to the dust at physical death and that's what James says that the body without the spirit is dead 
<laughs> but then uh, verse 18, Pat, if you'll read that one for us. Yeah, and I really do want to get to this uh, more later, but uh, for now, look at chapter 15, Job 15, 15. And read that one also, Pat, if you would, Job 15, 15. Yeah, this, this heavens being unclean and his angels are charged with folly. Uh, we know that the angels left their first estate and God has quarantined them out of heaven. And uh, so God is too pure to look upon iniquity. And so when Lucifer fell and become Satan and the devil, uh, he took a third of the angels with him. And so this was the folly of the angels was to leave their first estate and he's, he's quarantined them to earth and the second heaven. So the atmosphere outside that we see today as well as the moon and stars that we see at night, they are unclean because that is the domain of the devil and his angels. And so we will talk about that more, especially when we get to Job 38. But then in uh, verse 19 of chapter 4, uh, Belinda, if you'll read that, uh, 4.19. And so again, this uh, there's a Christian band called House of Houses of Clay, and uh, jars of clay. And so I think that's where they get it from. And so we we all are subject. We we have uh, we're made from dust. We're, we're returned to the dust. And it says they're crushed before the moth. It's just mentioning how frail we are. And the word moth appeared in, in Psalm 39. I gave you a reference there. And then in uh, uh, 20 and 21, Jim, if you'll read those, and we'll close up here. And so he, he just letting us know the brevity of life. It, it's short, man. There, people die every day. And even even excellent people like you, Job, you're... you're and, some, and they, they go away without wisdom. And So the last verse I'll have us look at is the Job 26.3. And, and this is where we'll close at. Job 26.3. Angie, uh, sorry. I'm gonna, <laughs> I let you put your Bible away, didn't I? 26.3. Talks about without wisdom. Okay, so... Uh, So this is my definition of counseling. So counseling is what went in your blank. Counseling, uh, when we counsel people without wisdom, I mean, think about this on your job. I mean, I do maintenance work. And uh, so if somebody tells me to install this water system or whatever, and I'll tell them, you know, we need this type of fitting. We need to, you know, hang this on the wall. I'm counseling them. They don't have wisdom in how to mount this thing. And so, you know, 
it needs so much PSI pressure. We have to. So I'm, I'm plentifully declaring the thing as it is. Uh, and, and, and usually there's you know a manual that we can go by and uh, read the instructions. And so uh, I, I really like that definition of counseling because it's right from the Word of God to plentifully declare the thing as it is. So the word counseling went in your blank. and We may get a running start at chapter 5. But chapter 5 next week, and it's, it's a continuation of Eliphaz. So Eliphaz, his words cover four chapters of the book of Job. And so hopefully that was a, a blessing to you. I, when I first read it, I thought, man, how am I going to spend an hour talking about Job 4? It's like... I don't, I don't understand it all, but you kind of get you kind of get into it. And you start cross-referencing, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it came together for you. I feel like it was we learned something. Yeah, yeah, yep, for sure. So we'll. There's safety in a multitude of counselors, so that's uh, when I when I'm dealing with something important. Either I'm trying to help somebody, I'll, I'll get some counsel. In fact, I, I pulled Jim aside just to get his counsel this morning about something. So let's uh, let's pray. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, pray for you, Dottie, here just now, and and we'll go to main service. Uh, we got a guest speaker this morning, Heavenly Father. We do uh, thank you for this class, uh, the foundation. I pray you will lay this foundation of Jesus Christ in each of our lives, develop our uh, fellowship and relationship with you as well as with one another. Pray, Lord, that uh, we will continue to grow and be more like Jesus Christ and we can uh, edify one another. Thank you for Heather being able to cut away and be with us. I pray your blessing on her life and uh, each person here, Lord, as uh, Emmett is harvesting and uh, Lord, just, I know some of that's dangerous work, so keep, keep him safe and Pray you get him enough rest and strength and food and water and just uh, had a nice heavy heart with his daughter recovering and you know uh, Belinda has the grandbaby and just pray for her her life and Jim's freed up a little bit at work. I pray him and Sherry can get away and have a good time down south and the Lord just dismiss uh, us with your blessing and be with our sister Dottie and she's ready to go under the knife again and she knows what it's like to be laid up but may this be a swift recovery for her and just uh, be with my wife and I and uh, bless this church Father we pray in Jesus name Amen